Presented by Climate Power Education Fund. Does big oil care about our streets flooding or our homes burning? Not according to an ExxonMobil top lobbyist. Did we aggressively fight against um, uh, some of the science? Uh, yes. You know, we were looking out for our shareholders. They care about profits, not people. Learn more at polluters.exposed. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Flawley Eagle Podcast. It's a special edition Sunday afternoon, 103 in the afternoon Sunday. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Zach Harris and Zomp, obviously here every single week. Well, not every week, but during the season we will be. Um, to open the show, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball that these two were not expecting at all. This video, this title of this whole chat is named, is Carson Wentz a villain, all right? Well, Deadspin yesterday put out an article labeling the fan base racist for treating Carson Wentz with not the same scrutiny as Donald McNabb. Now, I did my due diligence before this episode, and I looked at Donald McNabb's 2004 season, 31 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, with T.O. not being there after, I think it was week 12 against the Dallas Cowboys. Who did Donald McNabb have that year to throw to? Freddie Mitchell? James Thrash? Who did he have to throw to? He had absolutely nobody, all right? Donald McNabb went to the NFC Championship game with this franchise five times. How many times did Carson Wentz go to the NFC Championship game? Zero, all right? He was on track to win the MVP that season with 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. How, how far off is are those numbers from Donald McNabb to Carson Wentz? They're not very far off at all. So why is Carson Wentz treated like gold when he had one great season here? He's on to the Indianapolis Colts. Everyone's going to be watching him very closely to see what he does with that team, which, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to do much with that team because I think he sucks. But with that said, I will be rooting for Carson Wentz because I want that first-round pick. Any real Eagles fan would want that. But is that Despin article accurate? Might be. I'm not even going to lie to you. It might be. Because Carson Wentz has done absolutely nothing here as a quarterback since 2017. People say that the front office didn't give him anything to work with. All right. Well, why is it that once he leaves and gets benched at, uh, in Green Bay, Jalen Hurst comes in and acts like a pro bowler when he's not qualified NFL quarterback? And why am I saying he's not an NFL quarterback? Well, I don't like his arm strength. I don't think he's I don't think he has a good IQ, uh, but I'm not here to talk about Jalen Hurst. I'm here to talk about the comparison of how the team reacted when Carson Wentz went out. When Carson Wentz went out of the game, we started to win. Against top-tier opponents. Green Bay, hell, we almost came back in that game with with the Jalen Rager punt, uh, punt return for a touchdown and Jalen Hurts' uh, first touchdown of the season against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the league. Carson Wentz was the absolute villain here, and people need to understand that. Any Philadelphia Eagles fan rooting for Carson Wentz to succeed, you are an asshole. With that said, I'm going to bring in my two co-hosts, Zach Harris and Zop. I'm going to start with Zach. What do you think about that Deadspin report? Man, you call me an asshole as soon as the star show starts. Man, I missed you guys. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. You know, the drama saga continues even when Wentz isn't here. We just got to bring something else up. Uh, for me, I've always been a big Donovan McNabb fan. That was the reason that I became an Eagles fan because he played in Syracuse. And then when got drafted by the Eagles, that's how I translated to being an Eagles fan. And just stayed on board the whole time. So, you know, for me, 
I've always been a Donovan McNabb fan. I don't know why these comments are coming out now. I think maybe just to try to get some headwind over at Deadspin, maybe long forgotten over there. So they wanted to make some headwind over there. But for me, I don't think it's a racist thing. I think it's just that the city of brotherly love has been so desperate for a star at the quarterback position. We thought it was Kevin Cobb. We thought it was Michael Vick. We thought it was Nick Foles. We thought it was this guy. So when you draft a guy second overall, you know, we saw what happened with Donovan McNabb booed from the start. We tried to do it different this time. We tried to embrace him from the start. And obviously that didn't work out. Nope. Go ahead, Zom. I mean, I, re- I really got no rebuttal for that. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just uh, shameful to even bring this up. But I agree with what Zach said. Uh, Donovan McNabb was one of the sole reasons why I became uh, an Eagles fan. Not the biggest reason, but was one of the reasons. You know, he was my first uh, NFL jersey that I ever bought. Uh, I still love Donnie till this day, even though I think he screwed us royally. And uh, at the end of the day, I just I, – I really have nothing to say about it. I think it's just um, – uh, Ask my bullshit. Yeah, click clickbait, and I just think it's just dumb, and I and I don't believe a word of it, and I just want to get on to this, uh, what's really more important, which is this Wentz talk. Number five will always love you. Yes. Well, the Wentz talk is, listen, the last two days we were trying to get on. We had yes. to do so. It was delayed a little bit. We understand that. We apologize for that. But within those two days that we weren't on, I actually kind of – drifted away from the Carson Wentz talk. You know, you guys know me and how much I love Carson Wentz here as a, as a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. I thought he was fucking phenomenal. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm clearly joking. I couldn't wait to move on from Carson Wentz. I think he was a disgrace. I think he just brought too much attention to himself. And it's honestly, I don't think it was by purpose. I just felt like he brought too much attention to himself and made it more about him than the team. And I was just so ready to move on from that. I'm, I'm ecstatic that he's gone. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Am I a Jalen Hurts guy? No, not really. I feel like the Eagles, and I think this is guaranteed. I feel the Eagles are going to pick a quarterback at number six. I truly do. I feel like they're going to pick Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. But um, the whole Wentz thing, I'm just happy it's done. I'm happy I moved on from it. I will be paying attention to him in, in uh, Indianapolis just because of that pick. But other than that, I really don't care what he does out there. He's not winning the Super Bowl. You have Josh Allen out there and you have Patty Mahomes out there. He's not winning the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. I don't care who his coach is. They're just not as talented. And um, I'm just happy that we're finally moving on from it, to be honest with you. I find it hilarious. I find it hilarious that we finally move on from him and fan bases screaming that we didn't get enough for him. Well, this media, this fan base, the organization absolutely – destroyed everything about Carson Wentz and obviously he did no favors himself by not talking to the media what did you think you were going to get for him a first and a third isn't really bad for the way that we tore this man down in bits and pieces worse than being the number one overall draft pick where you literally tear apart every single thing they do good everything single thing they did bad that's exactly what we did with Carson Wentz so no no wonder why we got a third round and a second round that can convert to a first round Definitely. You know, I was actually saying, I'm sorry, I was actually saying on my one video that I posted on my channel last Saturday about the franchise being inept because he was still here. I was saying the most you're going to get from him realistically this year was a third round pick. I nailed that right on the head. It turns out we're going to get more for him. We're going to get at least a second rounder next year. So I actually feel like Howie Roseman did a good job by dumping part of that salary. And honestly, I, I, I can't say anything bad about Howie Roseman. He got the job done. You needed to get rid of Carson once. You were not keeping him here. People are saying, Oh, if you didn't have enough leverage, you should have kept him here and sat his ass on the bench. No, that's not how it works. You're not going to keep a guy that makes that much money on the bench for four years or three years or whatever it is. You're not going to do that. 
All right. So you had to send him off. He clearly wasn't happy here. Did you see that fucking evil ass grin he had when he was talking to his teammate on the Indianapolis Colts? I thought it was disturbing. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But, you know, people love Carson Wentz. So I'm going to give it to Zomp. Yeah, listen, I'm going to just go on my little rant over here. So if you got a second, not a, not nothing crazy. I just want to let it out. Regarding this whole Wentz thing, we, I had a lot of time to consume all the stuff and, and think about what's going on. Now, listen, I don't know where to begin. All I know is that it's uh, disheartening. It's, uh, I, I wish things would have worked out better with Carson Wentz. You know, uh, guys, fans like me, I never put Carson Wentz over the team. As much as I talked about him, I, I loved McNabb just the same. And we never had a podcast, so you would never know. Mm-hmm. So I always thought McNabb was a Hall of Famer. I always thought McNabb was a good player. But I'm also biased. Like, like uh, Zach said, we thought Kevin Cobb was going to be the one. We thought Michael Vick was going to be the one. And everybody who knows me knows that I love dogs. For me to buy a v- Michael Vick jersey meant a lot. So to- said a lot. So regarding Carson Wentz, it's just unfortunate that it didn't work out. But this whole thing is, I think it's, people are asking and saying, is it more Philadelphia that failed Carson Wentz or is it Carson Wentz that failed uh, Philadelphia? I think it's 50-50. Why do I say it's 50-50? Is because, let's start with Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz could have done things better. He could have handled things better. I admit, he acted like a true unprofessional a.k.a. a pussy. He knew the situation, what was going on. He had this mindset, okay, this is how we're going to do things. And then he got hurt. The Nick Foles thing happened. The statue happened. And then the dagger in the heart happened with the, with the Jalen Hurts pick. Now, he could have taken that as motivation and said, you know what? People think I'm injury prone. People think that I suck. People think I don't have what it takes. People think I'm mentally broken. I'm going to show them on the field what I can do. The best the best I could do is go on the football field and show them that I'm a winner. The other side of it is that did Howie Roseman change on Carson Wentz? Did, did Howie Roseman say something to him that, all right, Carson, this is your team, but then all of a sudden had this control, like this Chip Kelly control where he wanted to do things his way. Now, we saw every week it was uh, Howie Roseman who said, J.J. Artigo Whiteside is going to start today. This one's going to start today. He was having too much say. Why did Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, if it was one or the other, why are they both gone? To me, it means Carson Wentz and Harry Roseman didn't get along. Doug Peterson and Harry Roseman didn't get along. So I bet we could all agree that Harry Roseman is the, is the guy that has separated everyone. I don't understand how nobody could agree with that. But regarding Carson Wentz, at the end of the day, Carson Wentz is going to be very good in Indianapolis. I don't think that it was a mistake on behalf of the Eagles to get rid of him. I think it's a a miracle that we got a third and a first, but I think we should pump the brakes on the first round pick because he could easily get hurt. Yes, I saw that percentage-wise, only besides 2018, he's played 70% or more. But with our luck, we're going to get screwed. But at the end of the day, I think Carson Wentz in Indianapolis is a perfect fit. I think Frank Reich and Press Taylor are going to get through to him. I think they have a very, very talented squad, better than Philadelphia. And it's, 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 it's going to be on Carson Wentz as to why he is failed or he's, or he's going to be successful. But the thing that I got to say is I am very, very, very scared that this guy does so well 
in, in, in Indianapolis. I just don't want this guy to win a Super Bowl. Now, I know what you said, uh, Kyle, that you said, you know, I don't see him winning a Super Bowl. Nobody saw Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl unless you were a fan of him. But Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis is going to be disheartening to watch because, A, I think he's going to ball out, and, B, it's like we're the one that drafted him. We're the one that created him over here. And it's like it's going to be the biggest slap in the face. But I do agree with what we did, okay? I do agree with what we did. I think we had to get rid of him because, number one, he was disgruntled. Number two, even before the Jalen Hurts pick, Carson Wentz, there was a problem in the locker room. Remember, Alshon Jeffrey said something or Malcolm Jenkins said something. So something was broken. So they got rid of everybody. And I'm going to go on record now and say that when he goes to Indianapolis, and this is my fandom, fandom of the Philadelphia Eagles talking, I do not care. I do not care about this first-round pick. And I know people are going to say, Zomp, you're crazy. Because A, Harry Roseman's going to fuck it up anyway. And second of all, I do not want to see Carson Wentz successful in Indianapolis. Whether he gets hurt, whether he plays like shit, I do not want to see that because it's going to make me angry. It's going to get me upset. I hope and pray and, and pray for this guy to be absolutely dreadful in Indianapolis. But at the end of the day, I don't see that happening. And I do see him taking them to the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. Well, I mean, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, with that said, I don't feel like Carson Wentz is going to be great in Indianapolis. I'm probably going to – I'm actually going to retract from what I said last week. Um, when you miss a guy that's open five yards down the field on a consistent basis, it's kind of hard to see how he could turn it around on another team. I just feel like he's broken. I feel like he's not the same player. Even if you roll him out, it just goes to show you that he's not very accurate anymore. And plus, in Indianapolis, he has one of the best offensive lines in the game – so if he doesn't do this in Indianapolis, he's not going to do it anywhere. So we'll see what happens, Zomp. But honestly, I really don't care how he does. When you go from a second-round pick to a first-round pick, you know, it is kind of a big cliff jump. But at the same time, you know, I really don't care what he does in Indianapolis. I know, it's, I know you said that you'd be fuming if he did great in Indianapolis. I personally do not care. He's not a Philadelphia Eagle anymore. To me, I wanted him off, off this team after that Saints loss in 2017 when Nick Foles came in and brought us to the playoffs. I wanted him off the team then. I wanted to stick with Nick Foles. Everybody knows that. But it's finally gone. The misery's gone. If we roll Jalen Hurts, it is what it is. We'll probably have a bad year. But I'm just happy the saga is over. It was one big soap opera, and that's not what the Philadelphia Eagles are all about. You know, you had to go move on and get rid of it, and at least we have a Super Bowl ring to back it up. That's all I'm going to say. And I will give one – one positive thing to Carson Wentz. He did help us set up to get us the number one seed in the playoffs. I will say that. Now, do I think Nick Foles could have did it with that star-studded team? Who knows? But Carson Wentz did get us in position, so I'll thank him for that. With that said, Carson Wentz, bye-bye. Zach? I just think it's funny that, you know, now we have to kind of root for Carson to play but also not succeed because if he plays over 75% of his snaps, but, you know, the Colts go 4-12, and 12, which – obviously isn't going to happen. Then you get a nice first round pick, but obviously if they do well enough and make the playoffs, but he plays less than 70% of the snaps, then you're going to get a high second round. The difference really is where in the second round are you going to get? Where in the first round are you going to get? We're probably going to get something around the 20 to 25 range with the Indianapolis Colts end up giving up their first round pick, which uh, do they have to make the playoffs in order for us to get that pick? No, if he plays 75% of the snaps, it converts to a first-round pick. Or if he plays 70% of the snaps and they make the postseason. 
Okay, 75% of the snaps, which means he has to play probably about, give or take, 12 to 13 games. So, I mean, I could totally see that happening. I At that point, I hope that the Colts win three games next year. That would be great. Like, exactly. Be- so you root for him to play, but also for the Colts to fail. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. That would be awesome. I'd be at the bar be like, yeah, let's go, Carson. Fuck it up, baby. That would be great. <laughs> but do um, good enough to keep your job. Yeah, do good enough to keep your job and not make us look like total fools. I mean, you know, we all know what we got from Carson here. We've had some good years. We've had some bad years. We've had some mediocre years. Uh, he basically goes to a team where it's a turnstile. Uh, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, when you buy a house, you're looking for a turnkey house. This is basically a turnkey roster. You open it up and, bam, it's already ready to go for Carson Wentz. So there's no excuses we talked about the offensive line. We talked about the lack of weapons. We talked about the lack of communication between Carson and the weapons. He has no excuses going into this year. For those people that are rooting for Carson Wentz, no excuses. We will finally figure out, was it Doug Peterson? Was it this organization? Was it Carson Wentz? At least we'll know a part of the picture, whether it was Carson Wentz or not. A part of the picture, because obviously it takes two to tango and two people messed up in the Eagles organization. Someone brought up a good point earlier. I'm trying to go back to the comment. They were like, why did we fire Doug Peterson if Carson was going to leave anyway? Well, that's a good point because, in my opinion, with any other quarterback, Doug Peterson was actually a decent coach. Now, Zom's going to disagree with me on that one, but Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl-winning head coach. It's hard to give up on a Super Bowl-winning head coach after three years, which I feel like the Eagles made kind of a blunder, especially when Carson Wentz wanted to move on anyway. I would have kept him at least one more year. Um, but now with Nick Sirianni, I want to ask you, Zach, with Nick Sirianni, do you think he's comfortable going into the season with Jalen Hurts as his guy? Or do you think he needs to pick out his own guy, being that he's a rookie head coach in the NFL? I think since he's a rookie head coach, he needs to go into the season with Jalen Hurts, basically the starter. I mean, you're going to bring in a quarterback as a quote-unquote competition, but really it's going to be Jalen Hurts as a starter. You're going to roll and see what you have in Jalen Hurts. And then, you know, that's when Nick Sirianni will be more comfortable calling plays, being a head coach, and you know, controlling a whole entire roster. He's no mm-hmm. longer coaching the wide receivers or coaching the special teams or coaching this or that. He is coaching a whole team. So he'll get more comfortable. He'll figure out what he has in Jalen Hurts. And then guess what? Next year, if it didn't work with Jalen Hurts, you're probably going to be in the top half of the draft again. And with a potential another first-round pick, you could potentially move up in that draft to take a guy that Nick Sirianni believes in. But I think going forward, Jalen Hurts has to be the starter because you don't want to put a rookie head coach in that situation that's never coached at any level as a head coach. See, that's also the gamble, too, because next year I don't feel like there's that many quarterback prospects coming out of the draft. There's that one guy from Oregon that's kind of a project. But this year you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Zach Wilson, and you have Justin Fields all within the first top six picks. All right, pick one. I mean, Trevor Lawrence I'd love any day of the week, but Jacksonville is not going to give him up. Um, I just feel like this is the year where I see the Eagles taking a quarterback and people are going to be pissed off and going to be like, Oh, we really are a quarterback factory. Well, it's completely different because it's you're, you're in a weird situation. You really are. I mean, the last two games that Jalen Hurts played, he started off well against the Dallas Cowboys in week 16 game. And then against Washington, he was playing okay, but he's more of a run first type of guy. In my opinion, in my opinion, you saw more of him at Alabama, but the way he throws the ball, I just don't feel like he has an NFL arm. You know, you could use him as a gadget player, but as a full-time starter, 16-game starter going into the postseason, I just feel like he doesn't bring much to the table. You really need to put talent around a guy like that, not so much Carson Wentz. You need to make an all-star team around him to make it a good team like he had at Oklahoma and Alabama. I just feel like if now was the time to do something, 
Howie Roseman's going to pick a quarterback in the draft. And I think it's guaranteed. I don't think Jalen Hurts sees a – I don't think he's a starter at least one game out of this whole NFL year next year. I just don't. Just my opinion, though. All right, Zomp, real quickly before we get to you. So talking about the 2022 draft class, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people consider it weak. Where was Zach Wilson going into this year? You know, where were previous guys going into the NFL draft? They they pop up all the time. Going into the 2022 season, you know, there could be quarterbacks like Sam Howell that jump up the list, the kid from USC that jumps up the list, the Oregon kid that you talked about. There's plenty of prospects up there that could potentially make a move. We, we talked about Zach Wilson be like a fourth or fifth round pick. Now he's going to be potentially a top 10, maybe even a top two pick. Mm-hmm. So to talk about next year's quarterback class as being weak, we won't know going into the season because take a look at what the Jets did a couple of years ago when they had multiple AFC championship runs. They took Mark Sanchez after one single year at USC. So quarterbacks show up all the time. So I don't want to take a quarterback based on the fact that 2022 is a weak class. I only want to take a quarterback at six if it's somebody that we fall in love with. And there are quarterbacks that I do like. And, you know, not to go back to the well, but I do like Trey Lance. And that's a guy that I've been talking about for over a year now on this podcast. Yeah, another kid from North Dakota State. Now, before we do get this, I'm sorry, Zomp, we're kind of like bombarding you. But I want to take a quote from what Zomp said maybe week 13 of the NFL season. All right. He said that this is now an offensive game. This is now an offensive league, which means you have to load up on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense is not forgotten, but it's kind of number two now. Well, if you look at the Super Bowl and Tom Brady, I mean, it was everything but an offensive game. I mean, Pat Mahomes was running for his life. His offensive line clearly was missing Eric Fisher. So I want to go back to Zomp and see if you kind of retract on that statement or if you believe that it's still an offensive league. Well, I mean, definitely offensive league, in my opinion. I mean, in the Super Bowl, you have two weeks. Before you play in the Super Bowl, you have two weeks to prepare. We've seen the New York Giants shut down the New England Patriots. We've seen now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who weren't really that great defensively, especially in the past defense this year, and they shut them down. Was that because Mahomes had the turf toe? Was it because they had two weeks to prepare for Tyreek Hill? Who knows? In the Super Bowl, you only, you, you know, anything could happen. Anything could happen. So they had... Great preparation. It's not like you have two weeks every week. In my in my opinion, you need to score at least 24 or above uh, every single week in this league. So I'm definitely about the offensive-minded coach, the, the offensive-minded teams. Uh, I mean, do I retract it? No, I, re- I just legitimately believe that this is an offensive league. It's not like back in the 90s or the early 2000s. But I want to get to uh, Jalen Hurts. I can't speak about college ball. I think I'm repetitive when I keep telling you guys this, that I don't watch college ball. So it wouldn't be fair to you guys. It wouldn't be fair to myself or the audience to say like, oh, Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I don't know any of these guys. Okay. What I do know is I think it will be a huge, a huge mistake if the Philadelphia Eagles select a quarterback with the number six pick. Number one, like Zach said, Nick Sirianni is a rookie head coach. You're going to go with a rookie. You're going to go with a rookie quarterback. Listen, Doug Peterson did it. I believe Doug Peterson did it, but it's just a different situation now. In my opinion is that you go with Jalen Hurts. Now, nobody could tell me. Nobody could tell anybody, okay? You have your personal opinion, uh, Kyle. There's people out there that watch them in Alabama. They think he's good. I see that, okay, the offense was better with Jalen Hurts in, in the offense with the same exact players that we had. Absolutely. But he is a playmaker. He is a guy. I don't, I don't want to say he's a runner first. He is very good on the run, yes. 
but I think he does look to pass. It doesn't say hike. His first read's not there, and he's going to run. He runs when he needs to run. I think he wants to release the ball. He wants to get it to his receivers. This, uh, this offense lacks a lot of talent, and I've been saying this for, since last year. I know a lot of people are, are optimistic on Jalen Rager. I am not. I think Travis Fulgham is what he is, and that is a practice squad player. Greg Ward, okay, he could be the slot receiver. That's fine. He's old, reliable. That's fine. We need to restack the talent on this offense. Miles Sanders, I'm always high on this guy. He's always injury-prone, fumbling issues. Let's be honest. There was a lot of injuries with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's fine. But at the wide receiver position, there's nobody that I'm like, wow, we got a stud, or this is a guy that we can rely on. I think the safest and best bet is to go with Jalen Hurts and see what he has. It's a rebuilding year, and you use these picks to build around him and to fix up the defense. I think it is a huge mistake, but unless, like Zach said, if the Philadelphia Eagles are absolutely 100% all in and love a Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whatever, if they are absolutely all in on this, then you have to make the move and say, this is the time to do it. But in my opinion, I think Jalen Hurts hasn't shown enough that he could be the starter or he's shown a little less that he could be the starter. But you drafted him in the second round. I am going to be irate because then Carson Wentz, going back to Wentz now, has an, has a, an argument to say, why did you guys pick this guy if now all of a sudden you're going to use it for the sixth, uh, uh, sixth uh, overall pick? It doesn't make sense. If you use this second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, there is absolutely no reason why not to see a full season with a built roster around him. Get him some weapons, pick some guys to, to help him out and see what it is, and then if he doesn't work out next year, then we're back to square one. Well, before I put out the, the fact that we put out our call-in number so anyone can call in now um, – I think the reason why Howie Rosen picked Jalen Hurts in the second round was not only for insurance, was for the fact that they wanted to see where Carson Wentz's mindset was, especially after taking a hit like that. And he completely failed miserably. He led the league with 19 turnovers. Um, but I feel like it was kind of like a dummy pick, like a chess move. I don't feel like they necessarily thought that Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy going forward. I just feel like they wasted a pick to see where Carson Wentz was going to bring them into the future and if the contract was, was a mistake. And you saw that he didn't perform up to standards, so they chose to move on from him. And who knows if they go into the season at Jalen Hurts. I just don't think he's talented enough to move a team in the NFL, especially a team which you said really doesn't have that much talent uh, going into the season. But we'll see what happens. But anyway, the call number is 518-944-4297. Uh, you can voice your frustrations if you think – what the, where the team's going to go in the, in the future, what you think is going to happen in the draft. Just call in, and, uh, you know, you can talk to either me, Zach, or Zom, whoever you guys want to say. And, um, yeah, that's out there. But I just feel, like I said before, Zom, I feel like it was a chess move. I, I just feel like it was one of those those picks where they wasted. They wasted it a little bit early, but I feel like they thought a team like the Dallas Cowboys was going to jump and get Jalen Hurts. So maybe they picked him at, what, what was it, 53, 54. Um, oh, there's a phone call. Here we go, Zom. <laughs> Phone call, phone call, phone call. Let me have a super chat. I like an Eagle podcast. What's your name? Hi, this is Jeremy here from Washington Township. Hey, honestly, honestly, like this year, there's a whole lot of things going on here. Like Wentz wasn't that good this year because I see what happened with, like, with all the turnovers and things. But also, like when I was watching Super Bowl Fifty Five, when the Chiefs didn't have the, had their two tackles missing, like that just shows like. Offensive linemen are also the most important players in the game. Agreed. 
100 percent agreed. Right. Like with that, like and we also have receivers that are not that big. Like they're they're very set, they're short. Like they're like we need some tall guys who are fast and and who are, and who can catch the ball really well. Like I could I think we should either go with Kyle Pitts or or um, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. All right. All right. Well, well, let me let me stop you right there. The reason why I'm not going with Devonta Smith is because I feel like he has a very frail body. Actually, he's not. But I think he has a very frail frail body, and he won't translate well into the NFL. I mean, he could pack up weight into the the gym, but I just don't feel like his game translate to the NFL game. I would pick someone like Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, like you were talking about. People are asking why would you go after another tight end? Well, number one, Zach Ertz is probably on his way out, and Dallas Goddard cannot stay healthy. So Kyle Pitts is one of those guys where he doesn't drop a lot of passes. I think he, I don't think he had one drop last year. I think he had what, 44 receptions and he played like a dynamic stud. Um, so honestly, I would pick either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase at that spot. But like I said, I feel like they're going quarterback. Yeah. But if we pick a quarterback, I'm, I'm actually okay with getting uh, either Trey Lance or if, or if he said Zach Wilson's there. I'm okay with that, or even Justin Fields. Okay. All right. Zach, what do you feel thank about you. that? No, I, I, oh, yeah, I want to say, yes, thank you for the phone call. I think he was spot on with uh, Jamar Chase and give the weapons to Jalen Hurts. Uh, the, the, I forgot his name, the guy who just called. He said something. Yes, he said something very very accurate and that's the offensive line the offensive line is the staple of the of if you want to score points and and it's the foundation in in general like an offense you have to have solidify an offensive line that's going to run block pass protect and we've seen it in the super bowl you know these guys were hurt they came in and 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 tampa bay just looked like a different defense i think but if we get Brandon Brooks back i don't know if jason kelsey's coming back let's just presume that he's coming back I think we have a very solid offensive line. We got Lane Johnson, we got Brooks, you got Kelsey, you got Sal Malo, and then I left tackle, you're probably going to have Mulatto or, or Dillard, whatever they go to. That is a pretty solid offensive line. But like I said, I would rather go offensive line. I would rather go wide receiver. For me, it's going to be wide receiver because I still think that we're very talentless on that wide receiver end. The gentleman who called, he said, you know, we're short or small and, and we don't really catch the ball well. I don't even think it's an issue of catching the ball. I think it's an issue of of separation i think when people press us that we don't have much separation i understand rager and hightower and quest Watkins have a lot of speed but the situation is when i watch tape especially on the seth joiner show he sees it when they press and they play man coverage we're not getting off the press and that's been an issue in philadelphia for a long time so i would do anything besides go quarterback but i wanted to off topic go and ask zach a question i'm hearing a lot of zach wilson zach wilson zach wilson zach wilson if you know this guy, give me your best take about this guy so I'm understanding what's the hype about this guy. All right. The best thing about Zach Wilson is he can make off-scripted plays and make something out of nothing. He does a lot of things above average. I don't think he does everything exceptional. But, you know, he's a jack-of-all-trades but a master of none is what I would say. But he does enough to create plays on his own, his Running style is up there with some of the best in the NFL right now. I don't know if his game's going to translate as well as some of those best running type of quarterbacks, but he does have the arm. He can throw the deep ball. He's accurate, and he can make off-scripted throws, which is something that's been you know, at the top of his game and helped him rise to be a potential number two overall pick. 
Now, besides, yeah. uh, hold on, Kai, I'm sorry. But besides, besides the big arm, besides the big arm, because we know Jalen Hurts doesn't have a big arm. When you say he makes off-scripted throws, isn't that Jalen Hurts? Actually, Jalen Hurts can make the deep throws. Uh, that's one of the misconceptions. Is he very accurate on everything? He's more accurate on a deep ball, I feel, than any of the intermediate stuff. Uh, he's been working with, uh, I forget his name, Quincy Avery, I believe it is, a quarterback guru that's been working with like Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, all the top either college guys, high school guys, or NFL guys he's worked with. And he's been in the offseason training with him, and he's been looking to get better day by day. So I think Jalen Hurts has the intangibles and the will, the drive to want to be a franchise quarterback. I don't necessarily think he can be the franchise quarterback, but he has all the necessary stuff to become one if he can get there. Now, Zach, I want to ask you a question because this is kind of a cause of concern when you're drafting someone that high like Zach Wilson. There have been rumors that he's not a good teammate and he has an attitude problem. Do you think that would be – do you think that would bone well or do you think it would be disastrous if we were to pick someone like that? <sighs> well, I think this is where uh, – and I'm not going to get into political talk. This is where uh, you get the rich white privilege kind of uh, talk up towards the top of the draft where – He's a rich kid. He doesn't necessarily need to play football, kind of like Johnny Manziel. So mm -hmm. where is his heart completely in it? I think that's one of the things that you might put a question mark on. So when you get a one-on-one -on -one with him, you can really gauge his interest in football because I do think he has that rich mentality. Can he translate to the NFL game and the grind of the NFL game where it's not only on the field, it's off the field stuff, it's mental stuff and knowing the ins and outs of football, that's one of the question marks. Does he have the will to want to learn the game off the field? Right. No, that's interesting. I mean, I'm just feeling that, you know, I'm trying to look into these quarterback prospects right now because I just – I honestly feel like we're going to pick him at six. So if Zach Wilson is gone at two, uh, that kind of leaves us with Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Which out of those two prospects would you feel more comfortable with? The bigger question marks are around Trey Lance because obviously he's only played like 16 or 17 games. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards, rushed for over 1,000 yards. I think last year he had 32 touchdowns or 42 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, I don't know how many fumbles he had. I was trying to look that up. I couldn't figure that out. But he had zero interceptions uh, 2019 technically. So that was really the one season that he started. He had one game the year before that. He had one game this year in 2020 where he was mediocre. I think he completed 15 of 30 with two touchdowns and an interception. Um, Justin Fields is the guy that I really like, and I talked to you over text message about this. I think the fact that if he could sit behind a guy for a year and learn more about the game off the field, like I kind of talked about with Zach Wilson – I think he can make all the throws because Justin Fields is accurate as hell. He can throw the ball. He's mobile, but he doesn't run. He likes to pass first. He just needs to learn how to read his progressions better, something that obviously we struggled with with Jalen Hurts and with Carson Wentz. So if he can learn how to you know, really go through his progressions, he can make all the necessary, necessary throws. He struggled against some of the top – uh, tier defenses like Northwestern, like Indiana, but then again against Clemson, who is also a top 10 defense in college football. He had the six touchdowns and whatever. So, you know, it, it's up to him. He needs to learn the game a little better and he needs to go through his progressions a little better. But I did see a lot of struggling this year 
against top tier defenses, but I do like Justin Fields. Well, I remember where I was where I was watching that Indiana game when he was playing with OSU. I was actually in Cleveland for the Eagles game, and he threw three interceptions. But you guys, you have to remember something. Indiana had a really good defense. Like I mean, they, yeah, they they didn't have a great quarterback whatsoever. Penix or whatever his name was was a terrible quarterback, and they thrived off their defense. So I mean, when you look at games like that, you see how Justin Fields played poorly against the defense, but against Clemson, he balled out. And Clemson was a top-tier echelon team with the top quarterback going in this year with Trevor Lawrence. So I look at both those games, I put them head-to-head, and maybe he just had a bad game against Indiana, you know, because they were playing down to their competition. Because let's face it, Indiana wasn't on the level of OSU. So when you look at prospects like that, you know, my friend uh, Trevor Harris, who used to be a part of this show, shout out to him. He doesn't like Ohio State quarterbacks. Like, he wants to pass on them every single time because obviously you saw the last one. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Haskins. Wayne Haskins, yep. Yeah, he was absolutely terrible. So I can see where he's coming from. But if he's at six, it would be interesting because I don't feel like you could pass up on someone like that. But what if I told you Justin Fields was a Georgia quarterback? Would you like him then? Yeah, I would. Because actually <laughs> – transferred from Georgia to USC or um, Ohio state. Sorry. So, you know, that whole, obviously we can go with that storyline day in, day out, every single day of the week, but at some point they're going to have a quarterback that succeeds at the NFL level. I think Justin Fields has all the necessary tools to succeed. Obviously Ryan day created an offense that's going to uplift his talents and, you know, we'll get away from the quarter, quarterback talk and the college football talk because, you know, I do want Zop more included into this, and he knows his limits, and I appreciate him yeah, coming yeah, up. Listen, we can't, let's we can't, talk college football. Yeah, but we can't baby Zomp either. He needs to understand what we're talking about, all right? We can't just, like, well, be and be like, oh, he doesn't watch college. We want you to watch some college. We want you to get more uh, in, intellectually smart when it comes to all these prospects coming out, you know, because we are going to be doing a draft show. So it's like – I know Zomp would be furious if we picked a quarterback at six because I talk to him in the group chat all the time. But you just have to understand that it's going to happen, Zomp. You know, you could have uh, Jamar Chase sitting right there and we would still pick a quarterback. Like, you have to understand that's what, how his mindset is. But my, my, my argument is this. If we use this pick, you have to understand. I don't, I, it's not, I'm not saying because I want, it to, I don't want it to look bad. There's got to be a reason that you picked Jalen Hurts as the second-round pick. Not to be a backup. Yes, this was – you picked this guy after you gave the contract to Carson Wentz. Quarterback factory or not, you wasted a second-round pick. And that favors Carson Wentz. That's why Carson Wentz says, you know what? Excuse my language. Fuck you. Why are you using the second-round pick? You could have used it to help me with offensive line, a running back, a wide receiver. Now, all of a sudden, you're using the second-round pick. And Jalen Hurts, I'm going to say, from what I've seen for the four games, which is a very small sample, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great, and I don't think he's bad. It's not fair to him. But the offense definitely looked better. We scored points. We beat the Saints, but it's because the defense played really well. We put up a a lot of points against Arizona. He looked, to me, it was like watching Carson Wentz in that Dallas game and in that Washington game to me. I I didn't think he was impressive at all. But Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is you used a second-round pick. And now you're going to – we have the sixth overall pick. Like I said, unless you absolutely love this guy and say, listen, Nick Sirian is going to be here for the next five, six years, win or lose. He wants his quarterback. He wants Trey Lance, this guy Trey Lance, this guy Zach Wilson, whatever. I'm fine with it. But I'm going to be upset because then it does not make sense why you wasted a second-round pick. If you have Jalen Hurts as the second-round pick, then trade him away if you're going to have draft the sixth-round pick. It does not make sense. 
Jalen Hurts deserves the respect. Jalen Hurts deserves the chance to play well. He is a great leader. You can see it. People want to play with him. He already has a year experience. Let him play and win as many games as he can and build around him. That is my decision, my opinion, because it does not make sense. If he was a fifth, sixth round pick, then I would say, all right, go quarterback if you really want to. You wasted a second round pick. You got to see what he has, especially bringing in Brian Johnson, his ex coordinator from college. Now, Zomp, I'm going to throw something at you right here, right now. We have the sixth pick in this year's draft. What if we traded Jalen Hurts to Houston since he's a Houston boy? We traded Jalen Hurts to Houston so he could play in his hometown. We trade the sixth round pick and we play, trade a second rounder for um, Deshaun Watson. Would you do it? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yes. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah. <laughs> I would give them Ertz too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's realistic in my opinion. I feel like that's something we can do. Oh, I would love it. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. and we wouldn't even talk about the draft. We'd be in love with Deshaun Watson. But but um, but the thing Deshaun with the Watson's not gonna want to come to the Eagles. Yeah, so probably not. Listen, uh, for all those out there who are trying to look for positive things, we are in full full rebuild. And if you go back to our podcast, uh after like the sixth, seventh week, I said we are in full rebuild. Listen. Dark times are ahead. We have to get this thing right. We have to start from the from the bottom up, and 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 I just feel that Jalen Hurts deserves a, a a chance to play and and to see what he does because you don't know if he's a diamond in rough. You don't know that he did play well. He did show flashes, but like I said, this talent, this this no this this offense is very talentless in my opinion. The offensive line, most of them are coming back, but at the wide receiver position, tight end is a question mark because Goddard's always hurt. Miles Sanders is always hurt and fumbled issues. There's a lot of decisions to be made. So, well, we are losing Kelsey as well. So, and and that's not speculation. That's actually a fact because yesterday they said that they're planning on releasing releasing them. So that's going to be a big hurt because that guy. I don't remember the last time Kelsey missed a game. Honestly, so I don't we, get that the releasing part. I don't get it. We need to find a center. We need to find one in this year's draft um, because Kelsey, in my opinion, wasn't Kelsey a six round pick? He was six round pick out of Cincinnati. Yeah, it was mid to late rounds. Don't yeah, be surprised. Don't be surprised. Say Omalu goes to center and they put something. I'm not a fan of that at all. Me neither. But no, Omalu is absolutely going to be starting at center if Kelsey does indeed retirement or releasement. Um, then you have Andre Dillard and Jordan Malata that are going to play either left tackle, left guard, vice versa, whatever it is. I agree. Uh, Zach, Denny Luckenheimer wants me to ask you about Trey Lance. What what intrigues you about his uh, skill set? <sighs> you know, he has probably some of the highest upside mm -hmm. going into this draft out of all the quarterbacks, but he also has the lowest of floors. So that means that he has that boomer bust mentality of all the quarterbacks outside of Zach Wilson, who I'm kind of a fan of, but not that big of a fan of. I think he has the biggest boomer bust and the highest unknown, obviously playing at FCS, a division, a uh, division one sub school. Obviously the talent there isn't as big, but this is a North Dakota state team. That's won four out of the last five championships at the FCS level. So, I mean, he does have all the tools. He can throw. He can run. He just – I think he's best fit for the Carolina Panthers because Matt Rule's there, Joe Brady's there. They run the RPO system, and they have more of a collegiate offensive system. I think he's perfect for something like Carolina Panthers. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with you. And plus they have Christian McCaffrey, one of the best <laughs> back in the entire game. 
Um, I, I love how Zomp, and I'm, I'm not mean to bag on you, but I love how you say we have absolutely no talent. Well, honestly, we don't know what Rager is yet. I love Rager coming out of the draft. You, you know me. I celebrate like we won the Super Bowl. You always dog me on that. Uh, we don't know what he is yet. He performed actually very well with Jalen Hurts in the Green Bay game. So that's not really a question mark to me anymore. I feel like he's going to be not dynamic, but I think he's going to be very good in the league. We have Miles Sanders. Everyone loves Miles Sanders because he's a PSU guy. I'm not a huge Miles Sanders guy, but I think he's good enough to get it done. We could add a power back uh, for his compliment. Um, I just feel like when you say we have no talent, I just feel like that's not true. I, I mean, tra to me, Travis Fulgham showed signs of brilliance in the, within the first seven weeks that he started. Now, there were rumors that he got severely hurt in one of the games and he wasn't playing like himself. And plus he got rotated out for Alshon Jeffrey so many times uh, that that messes with the head. I feel like Travis Fulgham is still a diamond in the rough, but of course you're going to disagree with me on that. But I, I just don't – I don't see where you see where – where we don't have any talent, and that's something I wanted to ask you. I see. I see. Listen, I, I'm not here to bash the Eagles. I want them to do well. I'm just telling you the facts that when there's a defense out there that looks at the Eagles roster, there's not one of them that say, oh, man, we're going up against Jalen Rager. Oh, man, we're going up against Travis Fulgham. We don't have a guy that's going to have eight to nine catches a game. Jalen Rager is, is exactly like Deshaun Jackson. He's going to give you – Three receptions here for 40 yards, two receptions here for 70 yards, have that one big game, all oh, three receptions for 140 yards. That's the way I see it. I see the way he catches the ball. I see the way he doesn't have that elite speed that everybody talked about. Maybe we had a flash of it at the Green Bay game. Travis Fulgham, there is a reason why he's on the practice squad. How many times, whether he was hurt or not, I'm basing it on what I saw on the field. Travis Fulgham, there was balls that he dropped that he should have caught, especially with his height. Travis Fulgham started many games this year, and there was a lot of games that he had zero catches, one catch, with Jalen Hurts at the quarterback. It wasn't just Carson Wentz. Greg Ward is nothing but a slot receiver. I'm fine, with, I'm fine with Greg Ward. He comes up with big catches in the slot. I like him in the slot. Outside wide receiver, you need a goon. You need a guy that's going to say, okay, this is the guy we're going to go after. The Giants, they have a Darius Slayton. They're going to probably get a Jalen Waddle if they're, not, if they're crazy. Uh, Dallas, they have... Uh, what's his name? Amari Cooper and uh, uh, the guy, what's his name from uh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb and this and that. And even Michael Gallup is number one. Then you got the Washington Redskins, uh, Redskins, the Washington football team. You have them with Terry McLaurin. You don't have a guy on offense that says, oh my God, I'm scared. And I don't want people to say, well, Zomp, what did McNabb have in 2000s? Kevin Curtis is better than anything that we had. Reggie Brown is better than anything we had right now. And I'm being very honest with you. I think this offense stinks, and I think the strongest foundation that we have on offense is still the offensive line because there's a lot of veteranship there, and that whole right side with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson healthy is very good. But running back, tight end, I'm sorry, wide receiver especially, I just think we lack very much talent. All right, Zomp, we have a phone call. Uh, actually, the phone call is over. Um, I just wanted to say that I agree in some aspects with Zomp, the talent at the wide receiver position with Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, I think these are nice role players. I think they fit a need at two and three, but we need a number one wide receiver that no matter what, no matter if he's getting double covered, he can find a way to get open. He can find a way to beat press. He can find a way to create separation when there's no separation to be found. Uh, these other guys – I think we're going to see better years from him because we just talked about how Nick Sirianni is a former wide receiver coach 
and he's had some great years with the Chargers, with the Colts, and getting guys open. I think one of the biggest things we saw was Doug Peterson's vanilla offense really didn't help anything. And that's why Carson Wentz struggled so much is because the fact that when these guys were getting open, he was so beaten and battered that he wasn't going through his progressions. Not that he was a great progression quarterback anyways, but we never consistently scheme these guys open. You look at Sean McVay, you look at Kyle Shanahan, you see how they get guys open. Not saying that Nick Sirianni is going to be on that level, but he can scheme guys open a lot better than what Doug Peterson was doing. Somewhere along the way, he lost his you know, niche for doing that. How many times did we see Jalen Rager go on a crossing route or get a bubble screen? Why are we throwing bubble screens for Alshon Jeffrey, who runs like a 4-8-40, just being over-exaggerating? But then Jalen Rager, who can run a 4-4, and he's not getting the ball in a bubble screen. Get him the ball in space. The crossing routes where you get corners confused – and picks, you know, the not illegal picks, the rub routes, all those type of things to get Jalen Rager the ball in space, we did not do. So hopefully Nick Sariani can do things like that and get the most out of this team. But I still think we do need a number one wide receiver. But with Nick Sariani there, I think we'll be more capable of getting these guys open, especially with Jalen Hurts being able to make plays with his legs and kind of creating that Russell Wilson type of stuff or you saw with Tyler Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf. Well yeah, said. I, yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. Um, but isn't there a free agent out there that could intrigue you, like Chris Godwin or something like that? Just a thought. You can get a guy like Chris Godwin. I know uh, Zomp has a problem with his drops in the playoffs. <laughs> but outside of that, he's only had four drops in his career outside of the postseason. So, I mean, he did struggle a little bit in the postseason. We all get postseason jitters when we want to do our best. Um, there's other names out there. There's Juju Schuster. There's Kenny Galladay. Um, obviously, we don't have enough cap space to get these guys. I think Howie Roseman, the cap genius, whether you love or hate him, he kind of set us up for this. We won the Super Bowl. We paid guys. We paid guys before the Super Bowl, and we paid guys after the Super Bowl. And all those dead years that we thought, oh, man, Howie's the best. He kept pushing this money further and further and further. Eventually, one year it's going to hit. And that's going to be this year. So you take the hit this year, you see what you got in Jalen, you see what you got in Nick Sariani, and then you know how to build the roster. You know where you need stuff, or you know where you don't need stuff. Is Jalen uh, Rager going to be a top-tier wide receiver for your offense? Is he not? Is uh, Jalen Hurts going to be a potential franchise quarterback, or is he not? You're going to be able to learn those things. It's just going to be a down year. Well, this is how I see it, all right? It all depends on how the quarterback plays this year, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Jalen Hurts. If the quarterback plays well this year, I feel we make the playoffs. I truly do. Because I don't think we're as far off as everyone's saying, especially everyone on the show like you and Zom. I don't feel like we're as far off as you think, especially because the offensive line is coming back. Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, they're all coming back. It all depends on how Andre Dillard plays as well. I mean, I'm not so sold on Andre Dillard personally, but if our, if our offensive line stays intact this year and stays healthy – I feel like, especially in the division that we play in, I feel like we could easily uh, go into the playoffs. Like I, I truly do. We have Super Chat, Zomp. Uh, we could have had DK, Jefferson, Chase, Sanders, Mix, Goddard. We could have been a dynasty. I mean, dynasty. <laughs> it, it, again, you're, you're basing it off how Carson Wentz played, and Wentz didn't play very well, which is why he's not here anymore. So, okay, DK Metcalf had a lot of medical good. injury shit about him. A lot of people passed on him because he dealt with a neck injury at college. That was the main reason. That was the red flag. 
as of Justin Jefferson, that a lot of people put out there, hey, he's just a slot guy. I talked about it before. Him and Jamar Chase bailed out Joe Burrow. Not saying Joe Burrow was a bad college quarterback because obviously he wasn't, but he bailed him out on a lot of high throws where these guys went up and got the ball. So I don't care if he was a slot receiver. He still showed the ability to, one, get open and create separation, and two, go up and high point the ball. So that was a miss right there. You know, but DK Metcalf, everybody missed on because of the neck injury, and he wasn't a great route runner. I talked about it time and time again. A.J. Brown was clearly the better option coming out of uh, college at Ole Miss, and, you know, it, they've been neck and neck. No exactly. But, Zach, you see what you just said? You said about the Justin Jefferson. If I'm Howie Roseman, I know he reads it. I know he listens to the radio and he, he reads everything. It's all BS when they say they don't. This guy is coming out of LSU. You passed on him for Jalen Rager, okay? Everybody's asking him, oh, how do you feel now about the situation? He said something about, oh, you're not going to know to the future. Yeah, now it looks good, but we'll see through his career or whatever. Now you have the ammunition to get a guy from the same school who's actually better than Justin Jefferson from what I read and from everybody telling me that Jamar Chase yes. is better than Justin Jefferson. This put is up your better time numbers to, than Devontae Smith. This is your time now to, 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 to take that big mistake that you took Rager over Justin, uh, over Justin Jefferson and make it right and get Jamar fucking Chase. Like, I just don't understand how he doesn't say, listen, now it's like a second chance. I have to do it. Coming from the same school as well. I don't think Jamar Chase is going to drop those. I, I truly don't. I feel like NFL teams are seeing what I'm seeing to where Jamar Chase is the better prospect over Devonta Smith. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it that far. I think he's going to go number three, honestly. And then we're going to be with that situation of Devonta Smith or a quarterback. Well, off topic, I wanted to ask uh, you guys. Um, Jannard Avery, I don't know if you saw it. Moving the linebacker. Move it to linebacker. I wanted to know your thoughts on that because I know I think he played Stinks. in Cleveland like that, but I don't know, so – what do you think the decision of that is? I mean, it couldn't be any worse than what we had last year with Nate. But that's Garrett. what I'm saying. Is that what it is? Is that our our linebacker core? Uh, listen, Alex Singleton to me is a very very good run stopper. Mm -hmm. Pass coverage, no. I think he's very good. I think mm -hmm. he has a knack for the ball. But besides that, taking this guy and now making him to an outside linebacker to me is like a desperation move. Yeah, I mean, oh, you. I could put you at linebacker right now, and I feel more confident. That's how better our linebacker core was. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't feel – I feel like we're going to draft a linebacker finally this year in the late rounds, maybe the third or fourth. Um, but we need one badly. And that's where the Mika Parsons situation came up at six because I feel like this guy could drop to, honestly, the second round because of the whole hazing situation. Um, but if he's there in the second or third round, I'd grab Mika Parsons. Like, I truly would. Didn't Mika Parsons actually uh, opt out of this year too? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not certain about that. I feel like he opted out last year, so he didn't really play. Um, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is that there's so much unknown at the top of this draft, even with the Eagles sitting where they're sitting at number six. You have no clue what's going to happen. You don't know if the Dolphins are going to take an offensive lineman or a wide receiver. You don't know if the Jets are going to take a quarterback, an offensive lineman, or a wide receiver. So you really don't know who's going to fall to the Eagles at six, whether it's going to be Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or – Kyle Pitts or Penny Sowell. You don't know who's going to drop where because of the lack of a NFL combine, the lack of, you know, seeing guys play last year because a lot of these guys opt out. Penny Sowell opt out. Jamar Chase opt out. So obviously seeing Devontae Smith, we have recency bias. So recency bias says this dude just won the Heisman. This just dude just put up over 1,500 yards. 
he's obviously got to be the number one wide receiver taken. But if you remember the year before that uh, Jamar Chase opted out, he had over 1,800 yards. And he was a threat. He averaged over like 17 yards a catch. So this is a dude that as people start to do more of their homework, they're going to probably rank Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith. And that's not a knock against Devontae Smith because he's still going to be a top tier wide receiver. You're absolutely right. I, I don't even think it's close. I know Devonta Smith won the Heisman last year. Uh, I don't think it's close when it comes to the talent level, especially transi- transitioning into the NFL. Jamar Chase, I feel like, is the more more polished player right now. I truly do. And he opted out of the season last year, so you couldn't really it, – it was, it was Devonta Smith's showcase last year, you know, because Jamar Chase didn't play, uh, especially because he probably knew that LSU was going to be garbage. But – I just feel like if you look back and you're not a prisoner of the moment, you would see that Jamar Chase is, is an epic talent. Recency bias. Yeah. Exactly. Zach, th- Zach, this guy, Kyle Pitts, is a real deal? Absolutely. He has zero red zone drops. He's a big target, six foot six. Uh, he's got blazing speed. Uh, I mean, he could be like, and I'm sorry that I'm going to say this. No, I don't want to get shit for this. He could be like, Aaron Hernandez, if all that off the field stuff never happened, he's an absolute threat and he doesn't necessarily need to line up at tight end. He's going to be a matchup nightmare at tight end, but he's a guy you can also split out wide too. So he could play wide receiver slash tight end. Is he, is he, is he a reach out six? I don't think so. Depending, depending who's there. Okay. So let's say, let's just say for instance, Jamar Chase is gone. Uh, you got that guy from Oregon, the, the offensive tackle, who everybody's well. talking about. You have Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, and you have Sertain or whatever, Sertain, whatever. So, yeah, so if yeah, those guys um, are there, is that, a, is that a reach at six? Listen, if Penny Sowell falls to number six, you take Penny Sowell at number six. He's that six. good, this guy, huh? Yeah. And yeah. I'm all for offensive He's by line, far right? the best offensive tackle. I mean, there's one from Northwestern. Uh, his name escapes me right now. That's up there, he's going to be drafted somewhere in the top 15, but Penny Sowell is above, far, and beyond the best offensive tackle in this year's draft. Someone, someone had us in a, the mock draft taking the guy from Oklahoma State, the left tackle. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, At six, that would be a little bit of a reach because there are some very good tackles, guards, and centers in this draft. I feel like that's not getting talked about enough. There's also a lot of good wide receivers, too. Uh, I really like Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. If you're looking for a, a tall guy that can go up and get the ball, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota might be a guy to keep an eye on. Right. No, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't know. When's the last time that you drafted a tight end that high in a draft and they panned out? Yeah. You know, Gronk wasn't a top pick. You know, O.J. Howard was the last, I think, top 20 pick. It was 14 and hit or miss. With Tampa Bay, obviously he was injured this year, but he's been hit or miss. So I don't know if you want to take a tight end that high, but if you're going to use Kyle Pitts right, if you're going to spread him out wide as a wide receiver and then also use him as a tight end, I think you know taking him at six still a little high for me. But if he's your guy, take him. I think Brian Johnson's going to have a lot of influence on this too, saying like, "Yo, this guy Kyle Pitts is the real deal," just like he knows Jalen Hurts. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. 
Um, but with that said, we have about a minute left. We're, we're an hour in. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. You know, obviously this whole Carson Wentz saga, you know, has come to an end for now until next year. If he balls out, we're going to hear people like Zomp complaining and moaning about how he's doing and on Indianapolis. And I'm going to take heat for that, which I really don't care. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Bring it, Zomp. Just bring it. I just um, hope, listen, like I said, I hope he fails. I don't care about that number one pick. I want him to fail in Indianapolis. I don't want him going to the Super Bowl. I have a feeling that he's going to win about ten, between 10 to 11 games, and he's going to go deep in the playoffs and finally meet Kansas City or Buffalo and lose. But at the same time, this guy is just – every week you're going to see him. 275 yards, two touchdowns, one pick every single week. And everybody's going to say, oh, I thought he was broken. And like I've been saying, he sucked over here because Doug Peterson's garbage, and he was lucky to win a Super Bowl, and this talentless wide receiver group and offense is the reason why Carson Wentz was bad. That's just my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong. And he goes to Indianapolis and fails miserably. I mean, if he goes to Indianapolis and fails miserably, he might be one of the biggest busts of all time drafted at number two overall. Because you take a look at what uh, Frank Wright did with three different quarterbacks. Andrew Luck had by far his best and most efficient season. Then Jacoby Brissett, before he got injured, they were looking like a playoff team. They ended up going seven and nine because Jacoby Brissett got injured, was never the same. And then Phillip Rivers, who we all thought was done, had an absolute amazing season for a basically 90-year-old uh, veteran quarterback that just threw for over 20 interceptions the year before. So if anybody can get the most out of any quarterback, whether it's Carson Wentz or whoever, it's going to be Frank Reich because yep. for whatever reason, he just has that magic. Even with Andrew Luck, like Andrew Luck by far, over 4,000 yards passing, over 300, uh, 30 touchdowns and less than 10 picks. So, you know, that's a guy that used to turn over the ball a lot. So if you're looking kind of like that, I think Carson can do that. He, I think he's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. He can get in that 30 touchdown range and right around the 10 interception range. See, I see, agree. Passing yards to me in this day and age are overrated. You know, people are throwing close to 5,000 yards every single year. Look at Dak Prescott. The year that's before, true, too. That's true. 5,000 yards. So it's like, I think that's a little overrated in today's game, especially with the speed of the offense. Um, but listen, people like me, I know there's people out there in the fan base that will care what Carson does. They'll be watching him like they watch the Dallas Cowboys because they want to see what, what's going on. Um I'm just not one of those people, you know, even if he does well, I'm not really going to talk about him much because I only talk about players that play here. You know, Carson Wentz, well, Carson Wentz is a guy that's just, you know, he's an Indianapolis Colt. He's in a small, small market team. Now he may succeed because there's no pressure there. So good luck. Good luck. That's all I really have to say about him. And it, it's over. So with that said, are you guys, uh, do you have anything else to say? I mean, I know you're not going to talk about Carson Wentz at all on this podcast. Uh, me, I'm a little more broadened. I, I watch all of football, so I have no problem answering questions about Carson Wentz or any other team. So, you know, if we're ever doing our show after an Eagles game and for some reason you wanted to talk to Bengals, feel free because I will comment on anything because I keep myself open. I do a show on Fox Sports 980 yeah. up here in upstate New York, so I have to be in touch with all of sports. Well, I'm sure Zomp will be on the same page with you. Well, with that said, we are getting out of here. Please, on the way out, hit that thumbs up button, smash subscribe, and uh, hopefully we see you back. We'll be on here every now and then uh, during the off season, like we always say. You know, every Whenever there's big news and whenever we have to put our thoughts out there, we'll be on. We'll be here for draft night uh, to see what the Eagles do. Um, uh, with that said, yes, yeah, smash that thumbs up button, and we will see you guys next time here on the Fall Lake and Eagle Podcast. Have a Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. 
Now you can use your Contour Voice Remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox Voice Remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea.